I'm Kylie, founder of Akanel Expeditions, the best adventure travel company that you've never heard of. This is a 35,000 feet podcast where we interview interesting people doing interesting things in interesting places. From the next big CEO to coaches of your favorite teams to everyone in between, we've got stories to tell. Let's jump in. Hi guys, welcome back. I'm Cheyenne and today I'm sitting down with coach Mike Golick from Central Michigan. He coaches the women's volleyball team. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're so excited to chat today. So you just completed your fourth season. Can you kind of tell us about your current or the season that you just had, kind of the highs and the lows? Well, the good news is we had a pretty good fall. So it was a lot more highs than lows. So we, um, nice. we had returned uh, quite a few people from the year before and took our lumps the year before. So uh, in 2018, uh, we went 7-21. and 21. Not a great season. Started with a lot of young players, four freshmen, two sophomores, and and a lot of times played like we started four freshmen and two sophomores, just a little bit inconsistent in some big moments. But our team worked really hard in the offseason, came back this fall, and we were able to flip the script a little bit, went 21 and twenty one and 7 or 21 and 8, something like that. Won a lot of close matches and really played with a lot of uh, experience, composure, you know, poise, I think, in some big moments. So we were, able to, um, we were able to win our side of the conference. Our conference is split into two divisions, but we were able to win the West Division for the first time or second time in program history, which was really neat. Oh, that's and, awesome. Uh, culminated with an opportunity to go to the uh, the National Invitational Tournament, the NIVC, um, for postseason play. Really only the second time we had participated in postseason play since since 82, which is when I was born. So uh, it's been a long <laughs> time coming. So I've been really, really proud of uh, where we've come from and still have a long way to go, but, but really proud of the fall that we had. Yeah, it sounds awesome. So you've only been there for four seasons, but it seems like you kind of helped kind of turn the season or the volleyball program around and to a really good start. Um, how did you get there? How did you become a volleyball coach? Oh, a volleyball coach. Well, I, I grew up playing volleyball. I'm from Illinois originally, and uh, volleyball is a sponsored sport for boys uh, at both the club level and the high school level. So I, I just had opportunities to play. And uh Ended up doing, uh, getting getting an opportunity to get out and play in, in California. Played at a Division One school out in California, a school called the University of the Pacific in Stockton, California. And I uh, played four years of Division One volleyball there. And, um, you know, just fell in love with the sport or was in love with the sport to the point that uh, I had a little bit of a career change or a career path change where I was preparing to go to med school out of college. And, uh just thought my life without volleyball would be pretty empty. So I ended up uh, wanting to get into the sport. I felt like my skill set probably translated more to the women's style of game than it did to the men's. And so got into coaching on the women's side and uh, volunteered uh, my first year in 2005 with Michigan State and head coach named Kathy George. And, um, you know, I, I had looked at two different places uh, to go be a volunteer one of the places was coming out of the national championship match. And the other one was at the bottom of a, a, a really deep conference. And um, in, in talking with both coaches who I respect a lot, you know, one of them, Kathy George at Michigan state said, you know, if you're going to get into this profession, you're more likely to take over a program that needs a lot of help than take over a program that's already at the top. And um, that always resonated with me. I thought if I want to figure out what college coaching is, I got to get my hands dirty and try to help a program uh, get back on the right track. So uh, I was with Michigan State for, for one season or what I thought would be one season. There was a coaching change on her staff for a full-time assistant, and uh, she ended up hiring me full-time. And I ended up staying there for 10 years uh, as as a volunteer to an assistant coach, to an associate head coach, 
Uh, and then the opportunity came up in, in Mount Pleasant, about 60 miles north of Michigan State, to take over as the head volleyball coach in 2016. So um, I'm really fortunate for my path, and I haven't bounced around a whole lot, but um, really fortunate that my path has brought me here, and I'm, I'm excited to be here. This is year four, so uh, we've grown a lot, that's for sure. Wow, that's so cool to hear your journey, kind of how like you wanted to go to med school, but you're like, I can't live without volleyball. I really, that's really unique. I like that a lot. Yeah, well, I, I don't know that I would have made a tremendous doctor, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I was having a, I was having to sit down with my folks. My grades were good. And they said, well, what are we doing for grad or med school? And are you going to, I was, in, I was in, enrolled and kind of in line to take the MCAT. And um, I kept kind of bringing back volleyball. And, you know, I think I want to go to med school. I think I want to go to med school. And and my folks, I think uh, good advice was you, you can't think you want to go to med school. You either you either want to go to med school or you don't. And uh, so I thought, I'm going to try this out first, which they were supportive of. Um, I think they were questioning it a little bit, but I think ultimately <laughs> they were supportive. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that that I had that kind of uh, opportunity to, to, to follow my passion, maybe more than uh, what other people's passion for me might have been. But um, I got a lot of respect for doctors. I just I'm not one of those people. <laughs> Yeah, I really, I just took a note. You said you can't think you want something when you were talking about med school. You either do or you don't. And I think that pertains so much to everything we do in life, whether it's our profession or playing volleyball in school or really whatever. I really like that. That's a really cool insight you have. Yeah, well, it works for me. So <laughs> I like that. Saved me, a lot um, of, saved me a lot of money in loans, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I'm sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, because we are a travel company, we do like to ask, what's your most memorable travel experience? I know you travel a lot with volleyball, but I'm sure you like to travel personal too. So if you want to talk about a little bit of both, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, sure. I think from volleyball and my career path, I think we've had a, an opportunity to go some really neat places. Um, you know, I had an opportunity uh, while I was with Michigan State to go to Hawaii and play out at Hawaii, a big, big, wonderful volleyball culture out there as a player. You know, I've been through uh, you know, Provo, Utah, and kind of playing at BYU with their oh, yeah. elite men's program. And, and um, you know, I, I love the, 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 the way that, um, that they play volleyball and the way that they embrace volleyball on both the men's and women's side. And obviously it's beautiful in Provo, you know that. And, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think that just all, all points for the country, I think are, are neat. I think some of the campuses are really exciting. We had the opportunity to take our central Michigan team to the, uh, to army West point, um, you know, for that kind of experience where they got to see how the, uh, how the, the, the cadets of, of West point are not only playing volleyball at an elite level, but, also training for things far beyond, you know, what we're doing um, and what they're doing at the collegiate level and, and preparing to be officers within the U.S. Army was just a, a once in a lifetime experience. But, you know, every campus we go to is just so unique. And, and whether it's traveling in the Big Ten or whether it's traveling in the MAC, it, you know, you get to see these cool, neat little college towns all over the place. And, and going in your conference, you get kind of go to the same schools over and over. But when you kind of get outside your, your conference and you're going to some campuses that maybe you've never been to even through 15 years of coaching. I think it's always, always neat to see some of those little niches and the recruiting world, you know, takes you to some, some big cities as well. Um, you know, my wife and I, we like to travel. We like to travel internationally. We try to travel in, in May every year. And, and um, you know, we've gone to some really neat places. You know, we, we save up a lot of money every year to have an opportunity to travel, but, you know, going to, uh, you know, Ireland and Scotland one year, we went to, we've been to Thailand, we've been to South Africa, which is probably one of my favorites. Um, uh, Greece and Egypt, been to the pyramids and, and, uh, in, in Giza, Egypt and, and, um, 
you know, went to Japan. Where else did we go? Honduras and Belize and working our way through uh, with a buddy of mine. We're going to uh, Norway this night. So we're excited about that. How Never been fun. Kind of planning out that trip and, and a lot of hiking and a lot of just experiencing different cultures. And I think that whenever you can get outside your comfort zone, comfort zone you're learning. Something that I, I try to instill in our players on a daily basis in our gym, but certainly would be something that I would apply to my own life as well. When you get outside of your, your little bubble and you see the way people do things all over the world, I think it just gives you some really neat and interesting perspective. So yeah, it's a passion of mine for sure. That's awesome. You've seems like you and your wife have gone all over the world and you're just keep going. We try That's awesome. To. <laughs> yeah. Love we, it. we try to, we try to do something different every year. And, and, uh, some, some vacations are tropical. Some of them are hiking. Some of them are freezing. Some of them are, but just anything different. I think it's, we're on the same page, my wife and I, as to what we want. And, you know, we try to uh, try to save every year so that we can afford that opportunity. We we went away from buying each other Christmas gifts and Valentine's Day gifts and birthday gifts and anniversary gifts to just kind of putting some money away. And and that's how we uh, that's how we celebrate on a yearly basis. So I love that you pay for your experiences instead of actual like little gifts here and there. I love that. And that's what we like to do for sure. Yeah, um, I know you kind of touched on this. You said you like South Africa, but if I had to ask you your favorite place, I know it's probably a hard question. What would you say? Ooh, my favorite place. My favorite vacation was was South Africa, but we had an opportunity to do a bunch of things there. We went on safari there, which oh, I just cool. thought was amazing. And uh, we also went great white shark cage diving off the coast. Oh wow! Which is crazy, but that was a lot of fun. And uh, and so we we kind of are looking for some fun stuff in Table Mountain and. You know, South Africa as a whole, I just thought was uh, that was probably my favorite favorite place to go. Um, you know, we've had some really neat opportunities that we found ourselves in. I thought that, you know, Thailand was beautiful and we went on an Alaskan cruise, which was awesome. And so, I don't know, I like the natural beauty. Um, mm -hmm. I like going to see stuff that uh, that just nature provides, whether it's the mountains or whether it's the coast or whether it's, you know, like the cliffs of Moore in Ireland are just, they're just humbling as to how big they are and, and how small we are so not to get uh not to get deep on you but those are the elements i think i like i think i like being outside and the hiking and the stuff like that we're out in nature and kind of just seeing what what our planet has to offer and you know again i, I go back to south africa because just being on safari was just a really neat way to see animals in their own environment you know kind of as if we're not even around i think that was a really cool experience so one i would definitely do again for sure yeah that sounds awesome i actually haven't been South Africa, but that's on my bucket list. Do it. Yeah. Okay. One question I like to ask. Um, it's gonna kind of put you on the spot, but is what is one thing that no one knows about you that you can share with us? One thing that nobody knows. I am a. I am really passionate at woodworking. I wouldn't say nobody knows this, but I don't think many people know this. I'm passionate about woodworking, and I'm out in my garage working with my my tools in my garage. I started doing that about a year and a half ago, uh, only about two years ago. I'm self-taught through YouTube, but I, I make a lot of stuff on uh, my lathe and it just is, I find it incredibly relaxing. And uh, I don't think many people in my, in the coaching profession would know that because there's no correlation between that and coaching, but I think it's just so off the, so off of what I do on a daily basis. And I, and I really like the idea that at the end of working on a project and you, whatever it is, you know, like you have something to show for that, where, which I think in, in coaching can be a challenging thing to have in front of you. Like, I guess it's your record, you know, you could have that to show, but it's something very, very physical that you could put a lot of time and effort in and really be proud of. And we do that with our student athletes and you're proud of them, but they're obviously a walking, uh, 
you know, a walking thing that, you know, it's not, is not constantly in a position where you can see it every day. And yet in a lot of ways you do see it every day, but, um, but just being able to feel like that kind of finality of a project, I feel like our work as coaches is really never done. You're always trying to get better and there's no, there's really no finish line. And uh, as soon as you hit a checkpoint of the end of the season, you're just on to the next season. And so I guess I, that's one of the little things. Not many people know that. I wouldn't say nobody knows that, but not many people know that. That's really cool. And I love that you're self-taught through YouTube. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah you can learn anything on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You got to be willing to fail a bunch of times. And, uh, you know, I picked up some, some, whether it's tools or equipment, I was buying them on, uh, you know, Facebook marketplace and garage sales mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And now I've invested in some better stuff, but yeah, it was just kind of a, it was a brand new skill for me. And, and I thought that I liked it from that component too, of like you, you put yourself back in the position of a learner for the first time doing something when you've done something forever, it feels like I don't understand why everybody can't do this, but I'm, I'm now the one asking silly questions of, of people that have been woodworking for a long time uh, and their patience with me or my, my ability to make mistakes and try again and get frustrated and keep going is, is a lot of times some of the same things that my athletes are going through. And, um, and I think that's important to be on the other side of learning uh, because I think you can, in a sense, learn a lot about learning when you're out there doing something for the first time or feeling vulnerable or feeling nervous mm-hmm. or feeling all of those things. So um, I think it's helped me on a lot of levels. I enjoy it just as a, as a hobby, but I think it's, it's in some ways redefined what that learning process really looks like. And I'm a visual learner. So I, and like, so I like to watch YouTube, but listen, uh, I, I listen to these people that have been doing this for a long time and how they did it, and where they made mistakes and, you know, it's kind of, again, helped me redefine how, how learning works or at least works for me so that I can be a better teacher for other people. I love that. And it's kind of just a way for you to step outside of your comfort zone and just apply that into what you're doing as a coach. That's awesome. Yeah. I screw up a lot of projects, but <laughs> I still like it. You know, like hey, I screw practice up less makes now perfect, I right? Yeah. I screw up less now than I did a year ago and, you know, and I'll still screw up tomorrow and, you know, that's, that's fine. Life. I'll yeah. try again, I guess. Yeah. If you were an athlete wanting to play for a team in a university, what would your advice be to them? I think it's more about, um, at least for me, and this is my evolution as a coach, I think it's more about who you are than what your stats are. Um, yeah. I feel like I, as, a, as a recruiter, I feel like I'm out watching as much in-between plays and in-between matches as I am during matches. And I think there's some players that are great between the whistles and they, they jump high and they hit hard, but they're, uh, they're not making eye contact during huddles or they're not giving back to their teammates. So they're eye rolling when they don't get something that's uh, something to go their way. Um, it's the way they treat their parents between matches or the way that they, you know, shake an official's hand after a tough match. Uh, I think all of those things come into play. And I think that, you know, I feel like maybe too many athletes are thinking it's about their highlight reel. And I think more coaches, more and more are looking for not only the highlight reel, we need good players, but we need good people too, because these are the people that, um, you know, if you can kill a volleyball, you'll help us out, you know, 25 or 30 nights a year, you know, when we have game day, Mm -hmm. but if you're miserable, the other 335 days a year, then um, that's not something I want to surround myself with. But if we can work together and try to really push towards something and you're working hard in your practice gym and the weight room and, and, and constantly have your focus on how can I be better and how can I be coachable, then, we're going to coexist really well. And, um, you know, I feel like you can find both of those things, the hardworking player that's also is 
really elite and gifted, but you have to be willing to kind of look for the warning signs. And um, I think maybe too many young athletes don't take that into consideration. They think it's all about their stat line. And it's, that's part of the equation, but um, I'm not going to take a bad teammate. Or if a coach is saying yeah. that they're not coachable, they're not going to be a real good fit with us. They might, they might be a perfect fit with somebody else. But, um, you know, as we protect our culture at all costs, and we've gone from a team that's been at the bottom of our league to, uh, you know, flirting with the top, um, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that we just haven't compromised as a staff in the recruiting process. And if we're on a visit and a, and a recruit gives us, you know, some red flags about the way they're treating mom and dad while they're on the visit or they're, they're ungrateful or they're, they never say thank you or they feel entitled. Well then we're going to pass. And I I wish them the best of luck somewhere else. And um, we're going to surround ourselves with really good people. And I think really good people come from really good people. So it's as much Mm -hmm. about recruiting the families too. So I don't know that enough youth players in any sport recognize that for at least some coaches, and I'm speaking for myself, that, they value all of those things and certainly the academic component and how disciplined are you in all aspects of your life, not just your sports. So um, I wish more athletes knew that. I think that's such great advice. Like you have to be coachable, but also like what you do off the court when you're talking with your family or interacting with other people, it kind of shapes who you are and you can do that. I think that's really, I love that advice for sure. Yeah, the amount of time I get, I get a lot of kids. I'll be on the phone with them or players, and they'll be like bad mouthing their coaches and their and yeah. their teammates to me. And yeah. like, well, it wasn't my fault. Like, she couldn't pass, and then coach made this mistake. And I'm like, okay, well, you're not the kind of person that I want to surround myself with. Because if we have an issue, if you're just going to point fingers, then you're not helping us solve the problem. Now, right. I like the I like the kids that say, you know, we didn't pass very well, or you know, I needed to be better at this, or coach said that, and maybe you know, coach has a point. Like, we've got to get back to work. Like that's somebody that's helping you fix a problem, not somebody that's just, you know, pointing out the problem. And we use, we use a saying, and it's not something we invented, but you know, we need, we need people to be a thermostat instead of a thermometer. A thermometer tells you what the temperature is, but it doesn't do anything about it. And we need people that can change the temperature to be something that's more ideal for us. And, you know, if you're just going to complain and and, and blame everybody else, well, you might be correct, but you're not helping. Uh, but if you're going to be somebody that can point out that we have an issue, we need to get better at it, and we can be part of the solution, well, now you've got yourself a pretty good teammate and a pretty good player. So those are the things we kind of focus on. And, you know, when I get that kind of flag on a, on a recruit on the telephone, it's pretty much, hey, thanks for your time. I got to go. Yeah. No, that's such great advice. Like, I think everybody needs to hear that. So I love it. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Okay, I know we kind of touched on this already, but what's your next adventure? I know you said you're going to Norway, but what else do you have in store? Well, oh, a couple, a couple of things. I, I feel like um, I talked with you. My wife and I like to travel in our bucket list, and I feel like I tell people sometimes we're we're always aggressively tackling our bucket list, and uh, we don't <laughs> want to wait for uh, some magical day to start start doing that. You know, we now have a daughter. I have a two year old daughter, and this will be the last year she's not going with us, but we plan on taking her with us when she's three and a half and a little bit older. And, um, but other things we want to do, we want to go down into South America, go down to, into Peru and probably Machu Picchu and the Amazon. And, you know, I want to go gorilla trekking in Uganda, but that's probably far away and certainly Australia. And the, I just, I just want to get all over the world. Uh, Everywhere. <laughs> see it, experience it. And, you know, I'm not really close minded to anything. I have a, I have a wonderful wife that actually kind of like doubles as our travel agent. She loves planning vacations. And so she doesn't tell me much, which is cool. Like I know we're going to Norway, but I don't really know what our daily itinerary is. 
And when we go on vacation, it's kind of like every day is like a surprise. We'll be literally driving someplace and she'll be like, okay, here's what we're going to see. And I'm like, ooh, that sounds fun. And then we'll be there. And like, oh. So um, I love that. I'm blessed with that. But I like the surprise. I like the not knowing. I like making it up as we go along. My wife is a little bit more of a planner, which is great. But um, but yeah, I think every everything we do is kind of an adventure. And I feel like um, we want to bring our daughter with us. I think that'll be an interesting thing and not just necessarily do the the Disneyland type thing. There's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that, but really get, get her to some different places in the world so she can see that uh, different cultures and different experiences as well. Cool. And then for your team, what would you say is your upcoming adventure for your season coming up? I know you guys are still in spring ball, but August will come yeah, around we're, pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, I think it, you know, it'll be, it'll be pretty quick, but uh, you know, it's always, it's always amazing how quick the fall gets on you. I think, you know, our team right now has a really kind of, challenge in front of us and that we went from being relatively unknown in our league and you know we were picked to finish fourth or fifth on our side and ended up winning our side and so we kind of came out of nowhere and I think that our team right now is having to deal with that we're not going to be a surprise anymore you know we're not going to go into the pre-conference with that same kind of chip on our shoulder where it's proved the world wrong I feel like it's we're going to go in with a little bit of an expectation and how do we handle that and and uh, how do we embrace and reframe that to be not necessarily pressure, but, you know, this is what we came here to do. We came here to be in a position where we are amongst some of the favorites in the league or that we are. And how do we live up to that? And um, I think that's the challenge for us right now. And, and, you know, every day we prepare in our spring ball and in our spring competition and then in the summer and then in our preseason, you know, we have to get ready for that. And it's, it's challenging. It's easier said than done in any sport to kind of keep that focus. 365 days a year and um i feel like that's the challenge that we're working with right now but i think it's it's one of those things that's worth doing and i feel like a they need a reminder we all need a reminder sometimes but hopefully that's our next adventure is is now kind of pushing through we kind of butted up to um i think beyond expectations for a year ago but how do we raise our expectations for a year from now so um I think our athletes are working incredibly hard. I feel like they have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder because we left, you know, the mm-hmm. conference championship out there in some ways, or it was within reach. And, you know, we didn't play our best match down at the end of the stretch, but playing with expectations is now that next thing that we've got to work with, but that's good. You want expectations. And I feel like that's the reframing that we need to do is say, we're, we worked really hard to get these expectations and uh, not shy away from them. So I tell them all the time, if there's no expectations, you're not very good. Um, or if, if every time you win, it's, it's a surprise to somebody, then they didn't think very highly of you from the beginning. So, so having expectations and playing, you know, with those expectations is, is not necessarily a burden, but it's something that, uh, that, that we've worked hard to get. And now we've got to push through and, and set that even higher for the following year. So that's hopefully yeah. our next adventure. No, that's awesome. And I know we're going to be excited to watch you guys with your upcoming season. Well, thank you so much, Mike, for joining us today. and. We wish you the best of luck with your team, and we'll be watching Central Michigan next year. Absolutely. Fire up chips. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the 35,000 Feet Podcast, where we chat with interesting people doing interesting things in interesting places. Do you have a story that you want to share? Visit www.acanela.com slash podcast to share your story and be featured on our next episode of 35,000 Feet.